as I was talking to Brad back there, who is Vanna White today, um, <laughs> Jody said, 100% belongs to God. So I looked at Brad and I went, yeah. So stop giving 10%. Start giving 100%. But, you know, you know what's interesting? Do you know that God doesn't want you to have less money? That's not the point. Did you know that? You think God's up there going, oh, man, I really need some resources. I don't know what to do. There's a million ways God can raise money for the life of a church and for what he's blessing. The reason he chooses to do it through us is because we reap and sow in Christ what God ordained. Amen? And, and that's why it's so important. You know, I've told people in the past, you know, you know I'd rather you give 10% to God and then just come to the church and go, I need benevolence. We'll give you the 10% back. Uh, seriously, I, I would much prefer that, that you get your heart right with the Lord. Because it's usually a heart issue. How many, how many know that our finances are totally tied toward our heart? That's where fears and doubts and people don't answer the call of God because of fear of money. They're afraid that they're not going to get provided for, so they don't pursue it. Um, you know, their, their fear of provision, that they're not going to be able to take care of the family, all kinds of stuff. You know, when you don't have money, God can teach you other ways. There's other, how many know that, how many, how many have been blessed besides money? Listen, and if you got money problems, just praise God. Just talk to the people with health problems. And some have health problems and money problems. Don't worry, heaven's right around the corner. Amen? Amen. Pastor, you shouldn't say that. Why? It's true. Amen? How many have lost someone that they love that they know is with Jesus Christ? Can you say Amen. Let them be with the Lord. And Paul said it really, and I'm not saying I want people to die. I'm, I'm just saying that Paul said it's better to be with the Lord than, than here. Um, and it, it's not an irresponsible, cavalier thing to say. It's, it's just that understanding. God can bless us in a lot of ways. And sometimes it's financially. Sometimes it's in need, in our struggle. And God tests you. And he is, you know, strengthening your character. Well, let's pray, and we're going to be talking about identity theft today, and um, the, the world stealing our identity, and us realizing we're in Christ, um, that we've been born um, in Adam, and we've all been born in Adam, but we've been born again in Jesus Christ. And if you've not been, then you can put your faith in Christ alone. You can either have your faith in this life and yourself, and what you're going to do and how you're going to do it, or you can have faith in what Christ himself has done. And... Because of that, you'll be saved. And the Bible says that he will, instead of leaving you abandoned he, to yourself, he will then empower you and help you to walk that righteous life. Because you are saved. Because you are rescued. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes, Lord, to your text. Lord, this is such a profound and deep um, topic. Lord, it's about our rescue. Lord, and there's so many different religions that have so many different perspectives on these things. So I pray, Lord, that the message of your scriptures would come to the surface. Lord, that we'd have a good understanding of what it means and what it doesn't mean. And Lord, I pray that um, you would give us the security, Lord, of knowing that we are saved by your works and by your efforts. Lord, by your mercy, by your grace, by your power. And Lord, that we would lean in on you. Lord, the God who heals us, the God who didn't come to give us a plan of salvation, but came to save us. And Lord, that we'd recognize the difference, Lord, and that you would open our hearts to your spirit and let us know who we are 
who we really are in you, your view of us because of Jesus. In Jesus' name, if you agree, can you say amen? amen. I, I want to start off by telling you this. I was, I've been, I had, I kind of driven myself crazy. I had, I have a, a conference that I'm doing in California, and I was kind of preparing the material. It was quite a bit because it was quite a few days, and there was a lot of material to cover. It was like 60 to 80 pages. And I got home, and I put on this documentary. Um, it was just like a rock, it's kind of a rock, nostalgic um, um, documentary about this guy named Rodriguez. And it was called Searching for Sugar Man. And it was just such a profound story. It had, according to Rotten Tomatoes and some of these um, um, movie reviews, it had a really high score. So I thought, I'll, I'll give it a shot. And, and it, was, it ended up being really relevant to what I was thinking about and talking about. It's about this guy, Rodriguez, who is this, um, I think he's Jamaican, Hispanic um, singer in the 70s. And he produced about three albums, I think it was. And... It was right around the time, you know, you got the Led Zeppelin, the Rolling Stones, the, you know, kind of the you know, end of the Beatles era. He came in, and he had a lot of backing, and um, they really liked his music, and they promoted it like crazy, and no one bought the album. He sold like six albums, I think it was. Well, what happened was, is he was a, he was a total servant-oriented, you know, um, person, and he, he ended up spending his whole life in... He, he kind of abandoned music. It just became his own personal. I just kind of write songs for myself. And he, he basically devoted his life to working with the homeless and just helping the homeless. And he had like this incredible reputation just through the town. He was this very quiet, shy guy kind of in the background, Rodriguez. Well, it turned out that in the 70s, his, his music got sold, I mean, got bootlegged bootlegged into uh, Africa, South Africa, during the whole apartheid movement. And what happened was, is his songs were about challenging the establishment. And it became sort of a groundswell in in the music industry, and it became sort of a rallying cry to the people. And he ended up becoming a legend there, where he was one of the biggest stars ever in South Africa. Now, the interesting thing is they had a reputation or a rumor that had gone through South Africa back in the mid-70s that he had somehow, he had a rock star death and killed himself somehow. And it was funny because they were, not funny, but they were interviewing all these people saying, you know, so what happened to Rodriguez? And they go, well, you know, some say that, you know, he was his last protest. He put fire on himself, oil on himself and burned himself at the concert in America. And someone said, you know, they'll know that he went on this strike. And they had all these stories, but, but, the, but it was kind of a groundswell. And, and they, they interviewed just hundreds and hundreds of people, and they were all saying everybody had his albums. Everybody knew his music. So one guy decided, he says, I'm going to find out what happened to Rodriguez. I mean, did he really die? Let's, let's do a story on him. So they spent like a year and a half, two years searching for him if he was still alive, and he went through his lyrics to kind of search through his lyrics, and one, one of the lyrics said, you know, I'm going through Amsterdam, and he named all these things, and they go, maybe that's his life, and they go, well, it seems like that was a hard part of his life, and so they go, they went down a little bit further, and they go, he met this girl in Dearborn, Michigan, Dearborn, they go, where is that, and so they, they tracked him to Michigan, went to Michigan to see if he was there, and sure enough, after all this search, 
they found it where a guy said, I know who you're talking about. He works with the homeless. He, he works in the soup kitchens. He's a, like this servant. He's this humble guy. And they go, well, maybe it's an imposter. You know, we, we, don't, we don't know. We have to make sure it is. I mean, how are we going to know it's the same one? How do we know it's the same Rodriguez? So they, they said, they, say, we finally went down to where he was. And it says when they walked in, the guy goes, I think that's Rodriguez. It looks just like that album picture. They only had this one picture of him. And it was kind of the shaded picture. So they told him, they came up to him and they go, you know what? You're bigger than Elvis Presley in South Africa. And, and, he, and he, he, he said, it, he, said that he was totally like, not like he, he was laughed about it, but he wasn't like, I want to be a star. He was just a humble guy. I mean, it's like he just thought, oh, well, that's really? Like he couldn't believe it. He was thinking, well, maybe in the 70s I was pretty big and, you know, maybe 25, 50 people remember me. And he goes, no, everybody has your album. Everybody in South Africa has every one of your albums. And he said, he said, he goes, no. And he said, so they, they, they said, let's get this. So they got this band together that had all grew up playing his music. And they had imitation bands that did him in South Africa. And so finally, they, he said that the one guy said, we were at rehearsal and we're thinking, okay, well, we're going to find out if he's Rodriguez or not. So they started playing and he says, he came in. He said, they started the song and they were about halfway through. And right as he walked in, he got on the mic and finished the song, and they all went, it's Rodriguez. It's him. And so they, within like two weeks, three weeks, they decided to throw a concert series and decided to say who would show up. So they had their concert, the first concert, and the, his daughters are, are now inter- being interviewed, and they're saying, we don't know if there's going to be 20 people at this concert. She goes, my dad's just the guy who works in the soup kitchen. He says, he's just not, he's humble in everything that he, every way he lives. And so you, sh- you see them, sh- that now it shows not live, but a couple years ago when this was taken, and all of a sudden you're at the airport and this limousine comes up to pick him up. And him and his family walk right past the limousine. And then the interview goes to them and they say, what's going on? He said, I figured it was for somebody important. We needed to get off the airport to get out of the way. And, and so he's out of the way, and he says, they're, they're now pulling the limousines, literally following him, going, you got to get in this thing. And so he gets in the, they get in the limousine, he gets to the place, and he can't believe it. I mean, the seating is for like 30,000 people. So he's waiting there, and then you see them in the back of the interview room getting ready for the concert, and they go, what do you think? And they go, I hope somebody shows up, but this is going to be really embarrassing. Well, 35,000 people showed up at this concert. You would not believe it. It was just jam-packed. Everything, people all in the front, like a mosh pit all the way to the front. You know, people bobbing their heads. And his, he went out there for 10 minutes, he got a standing ovation. I mean, literally for 10 minutes. It was unbelievable. They said they couldn't get the concert going. And then the music started going. And he said and it started looping the beginning of this song. But they were waiting for him to sing. And so they kept looping the part. The musicians kept looping that one little bass line to intro the song. And, and then all of a sudden, the song, he came out and sang. And the place just goes crazy. I mean, it's unbelievable. And then he, you look it out there. The camera's going out. And everybody's mouthing these words. He had no idea who he was. 
His very first sentence to them was, thank you for keeping me alive. That you, that you knew who I was. And then he looked at the camera as they were interviewing him. He goes, no one's going to believe that this is true. Do you know that the Bible says that even when one person turns to Christ, that there is a massive celebration in the heavenly realms? Do you think that your kegger party is powerful with your subwoofer that you got at Best Buy? I'm telling you the heavenly party is bigger. How many say a loud amen? Listen, when we were worshiping today, you might go, oh, we're singing pretty good. Put that worship together around the world today. I went to a Promise Keepers conference in Oakland Coliseum where we had 60,000 men. And we were walking through, and there was this kind of a hallway. Those of you familiar with Oakland Stadium, there's this one little hallway that kind of takes you into the, the, the main area, and there's all the food and all that stuff. But it's this one hallway that's probably from here to there, maybe a little bit, maybe twice as long, and it's like a tunnel. And while we were going through the tunnel, this one singer started singing. He goes, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. He started singing it, and two or three other guys started singing it, and then the, all the whole group started singing it, and finally the whole stadium was singing it. And as I was sitting there listening to it, I felt like what Handel, Messiah, you know, Handel wrote about when he got the Messiah chorus in his mind. And he said, it was as if heaven opened and I could hear the glory of God ringing and I could see it. And as I watched that documentary, I heard them say, Rodriguez, in my mind, I heard Jesus Christ. You know, I heard them shouting your names when you came. That the heaven rejoices, that the God of all creation has exerted his strength and power into the cross to bring you into his intimacy. And that's his goal. And then I saw the sadness of religiosity and all that it is with its rules and compliance and regulations, with its form of godliness, but yet denying its true power. And I thought, boy, Lord, I love this message today. Can you say with me, I am in Christ? I am in Christ. If you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, that he has paid for your iniquities. Not only that, but he's also lived the righteous life that you did not that you fell short. Is this too hard to admit that you've fallen short? Like I said, I, I have met people who fall short of their own expectations, let alone God's expectations. And yet God, in his mercy and grace, has he doesn't sit there and look and go, oh, you know what, let's condemn sinful man. Let's save sinful man. How many think this is a good plan? And this is, listen, now can you say this? Say, I am saved in Christ. And this is so important. Let me tell you why. If that word does not mean what it means, that you're rescued by Christ, then it means, because I have met people who think, 
that you're saved and then you're unsaved, you're saved, you're unsaved, you're unsaved. Now, I recognize, and how many would admit, how many believe that there are false teachers? Does the Bible talk about that? Does the Bible say that there are false prophets? Yes, they speak on behalf of God, but not from the text. They speak of their own imagination. How many believe that there are false believers? They, they, they spy, they, they infiltrate, or maybe they're curious. You know, they sample the cheese. They taste it. But when they get to the checkout counter, they find the price of the cheese, and they don't purchase it. It's not theirs. They taste it, but they're, they're, not, they're not saved. They're not, they have not been born again of the Spirit of the Lord. Having said all that, if you've put your faith in Christ, no one can take that away from you. There is not any power, there is not any height or any angel that can separate you from the salvation and the love that is found in Jesus Christ alone. How many say amen? Amen. There is none. I, I, I talked to somebody, and I'll just bring it up real close, because he, he, I was talking to him, and he goes, well, what about this scripture? He goes, what about this scripture? And he read this one to me. He says, although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered, and once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. He goes, see, it says for all who obey him, you have to obey him. So I said, well, look, can we look at the Greek together? And he goes, yeah. So I looked it up with him. I already knew what it was. But, but it's, it's hypokaoa. Which is this. Hypo means by means of. And koa, it means the word um, to answer. It's like by means of answering. And I said, he kind of pictured it, this obedience, obedience of Christ, like you have perfect obedience now. But the context doesn't say that. It means literally to answer, to pay attention, to understand and respond. In other words, when the gospel came to me, did I respond to Christ? Now let me ask you. Do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? Yes or no? Thank you for obeying the gospel. Can I hear an amen? Amen. This is the heart of that message. And if you go through that context, it's the same way. Every time it's mentioned of reborn, that you're born of the spirit, it's the power of God. And I'm going to get into this a little bit more detailed. But if you are not saved, you think you're just potentially saved, then just pick a different word. Why would you say I'm saved if you're not saved from anything? And I just think to myself, what good would it be if you were a Christian and you got money and you got blessings and you got all this kind of stuff and you prayed for people, but you end up not saved? (laughs) What good is that? How many want to know that you're saved? Do we think that Jesus Christ understands his own testimony from the Gospel of John? The only book that says, I have written these things to you so that you can uh, find eternal life, so that you can know him. It's an evangelistic book by its own definition. Imagine Jesus Christ being here and he says, anyone who believes in me has just passed from death to life. You know what I think that means? I think that anyone who believes in him has just passed from death to life. I think when he says, For God so loved the world, he gave his one only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. I believe that they shall not perish. I don't think this is rocket science. They shall not perish. I mean, imagine if he said, 
Jesus came in, he walked among us, and he said, for God sent his one and only son, so that whoever believes in him may or may not perish and may or may not have everlasting life. So we'll see what you do. So the reason I came, because I know that the cross won't be sufficient for you. So we'll have to turn to your choices. The choice of man. The cross of Christ. The choice of man. The cross of Christ and its wee little power. Well, I'm sorry, but my God has the power of the gospel. He has the Christ power that raised him from the dead is the same power that lives in me to raise me from the dead. And my faith is in him alone. And I can tell you, not I may be saved, I am saved. And the Bible says, I am saved, I will be saved, right? I have been saved. So some say, well, see, you will be saved, so it's not yet. No, it's a, called a present continuous verb. So it basically means that it's present in, in a past tense. I have been I am now have been in one phrase, and ongoingly I will always be. That's the phrase. That's just the context of the text. So why would I want to believe something else? And if you do believe something else, just say what, you're, what you mean. Don't say, I'm saved. Just say, I might be saved. And then I ask you, what does it depend on now? And the answer will be, on how I do. And I'm telling you that in the end, there is a phrase for people like that. Didn't we do all these things? Didn't we do all this? Didn't we do that? And Jesus says, I never knew you. Because I know my sheep and I give them eternal life. That's what he says in John 10. How many believe that Jesus is the Christ? Okay, keep your hand up. Say, how many believe he's the son of the living God? The Bible says, how many believe that he lived a righteous life that you did not live? Raise your hand. So, how many believe that he did not deserve any consequences? Now, the other hand, say, how many believe that he took your consequences and paid for them? And fulfilled all the prophecies that spoke about this. Now, say, he is my Lord. And say, he saved me. Okay, now let me be Jesus Christ for a moment. I don't look as good as him, or actually I might look better than him because it says in him there was nothing that was attractive. Maybe I have a little bit of attraction. In him there was no attraction. Okay, that's what it says about him. So, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. What should the response to that be? What must we do? The, what works must we do? The work of God, not the work of man. This is his answer. The work of God is this, to believe in the one in whom he has sent. He who has believed in me has just crossed over from death to life. The spirit, Nicodemus, goes wherever it wants. And you cannot see the kingdom, but you have to say Jesus is Lord. Say it with me. Say, Jesus Christ is Lord. How many believe that you said that by the Holy Spirit? The Bible says you cannot say it except for by the Spirit, with meaning, if you meant it. Now say it with me. Say, I am in Christ. 
I am saved. I will be saved. But I am saved. I have been saved. How many say amen? This is really at the heart of this message today. I'm in Christ. Put the next slide up there. I'm born in Adam, born again in Christ. This is last week. I'm not in Adam, but I'm identified in Christ. Adam's line is the human race line that earns its own keep, that lives apart from God. It's a descendancy of Adam. Everyone in the human race has been born in Adam. If we identify with Adam, we will stand before God like anyone else, and we will give an account to who we are, and we will answer in that account, and it will be rewarded or not rewarded us according to what we have done. That's the way it is, and it's promised many times in the New Testament and the Old Testament. If you stand on your own in Adam, you will have to prove to to God that you have not fallen short. Now, does anyone think they can qualify? Because I've never met you, and if you do, I'd like you to take over. (laughs) Seriously, just take over, and I'll do something else. Um. How many have put their faith in Christ alone? Then you've been born again of the Spirit. Okay? And it's not just your hand raised that did it. God knows the heart, does he not? And God responds. It has to be a genuine experience between God. The Bible says it both ways. The Bible says if you believe, then you're born again. And there's other scripture that says those who are born again are the ones that believe. And so it's the cart before the horse. First John says everyone who believes has been born of God. So there's an interchangeability there, according to the New Testament. And so we trust that God is able to bring birth. Put up saved. Say it again. I am saved. I am saved. Let me look at this and tell me if it means anything. I'm saved. I'm rescued. I'm delivered. I'm healed. By extension, in right relationship with God. This is right out of the lexicon and dictionary. With the implication that the condition before salvation was one of grave danger or distress. In other words, to be saved, sozo or the noun soterio, and the study of soteriology, the study of salvation, or ordo saluda, which is salutis or solitario, which means the order of salvation. How does it happen? That these are really important things. It means that I'm going to be forgiven, rescued, freed, redeemed, secured. This is what's at stake. You either understand that you're saved or you don't know, you're insecure about it because you're wondering what you're going to do to get a little bit more of it. Because inadvertently, Christ, whatever he's done, isn't enough. It's ineffective. It's insufficient what Christ has done. And I'm telling you the Bible teaches otherwise. That the cross of Christ is sufficient and it is effective. Do I hear an amen? There are hundreds of scriptures I can talk about that are didactic. They mean they explain this. They don't just, they're not just descriptive passages. Romans 4, 7, you guys have heard this, so I'll I'll repeat it. Blessed are they whose transgressions are what? Whose sins are? Blessed is the man who sinned the Lord. One more time. One more time. Will what? Never. Ever? Never. Say it again. Never. Ever? Never. But what if you wear a weird hat? <laughs> what if you stand on one leg? Never. 
what if you smack yourself in the face by accident? What if you did it on purpose because you were weak? What if you kicked your dog? Well, I don't understand. So you're saying that we can just go out and sin? Certainly not. If you meet someone who understands that they're saved, do you think that they want to go out and sin? How many of you have been saved? Say, I am saved. saved. Raise your other hand if you're sick of sin and want to get rid of it. Amen. Look around. Don't put your hands up high. This is called repentance, is it not? That's why the Spirit is guiding you into all truth. And the other one here, people are counted as righteous, not because of their own work, but because of their faith in God who forgives sinners. These are important words in the scripture. The word is pistis or pistuin in in the uh, the word grace or faith, charis, faith, believing. It can't just be a human human sort of I believe it in in conception. It has to be a divine faith that's empowered by the spirit of the Lord. And I'll, I'll walk through that. Next slide. If I'm forgiven, guess what? I can forgive others. Amen? If I'm reconciled, I can unite others. If I'm saved, I can give grace to others. You know why a lot of people don't preach the good news to other people? Because they don't know if they're saved. (laughs) Imagine imagine me preaching the gospel to someone. And I'm going, hey, Steve, I want to tell you about the good news of Christ. So Jesus died on the cross. Um. And you may or may not perish if you believe in him. Yeah. If you keep coming, I mean, you got to keep coming to church because we've got to make sure. But um, and you, you're not going to perish, and you might have everlasting life. But I can't really explain it too well, but that's kind of how everything I tell you sounds like because that's how I live because I don't really know that I'm saved. And the cross can totally save you, but it's not obviously not enough because you've got to do stuff too to get right with God perfectly. So welcome to the church. Yeah. I'll see you struggling next. How many know this is not a gospel at all? You know, Paul to the Galatian church, he goes, listen, he goes, wasn't Jesus Christ clearly portrayed to you as crucified? I'd like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by what you were doing or by what you believed? Are you now trying to attain your goals by human effort? Was, did I waste my time? Was this all in vain? If anyone comes to you preaching another gospel, which is not really any good news, let him be anathema. Let me say it again to you. If anyone comes to you preaching any other thing other than what we preached, Christ and Him crucified. Let him be anathema, eternally cursed, because the gospel is good news. It's the good news of the work of Jesus Christ. We are saved by our works, not our works, by works, but not ours, his. How many say amen? Okay, number one, let's get started with this part of it. Saved from what? What are we saved from? Ephesians 2.1 says, As for you, you were what? Dead. Dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live. That word live there doesn't mean you've not ever sinning again. It, the word it's peripateo, which is, how many have heard the word periscope? Peri, it's the same thing, per, around. 
This is how you walk around. This is how you live around. This is your lifestyle. You just blatantly sin. That's how we used to live. How many now repent and resist sin? Raise your hand. Okay, that's how we know. We were dead in the way that we lived. So we were living, but really we were dead. How many understand this? Okay, this is the picture that God gives us. Uh, So next one. I was dead. I lived this way. What was I doing? I was following the course of this world. I was following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that has not worked in the sons of disobedience. I was giving myself over to the patterns of the world. The world's doing this, and I'm doing this. Disobedient to doing this, I'm doing that. Okay? So I was led. I was dead. Next one slide. I would live this way. I was led by this world in this dark prince. What was I doing? I was gratifying the cravings of my sinful nature and following his desires and thoughts. Like the rest, I was... By nature, by what my nature of my activity and characteristics, I was an object of an enemy of God of wrath. How many can admit this? Because you can't be saved unless you know that you're being saved from something. If you think you just lived this honorable life and God's just going, your life, gosh, it was awesome, it was perfect. I owe you eternal life. It's an obligation. Here's your paycheck for your work. That is not going to happen. It's, only gonna ha- it's already happened. It happened once with Jesus Christ. So I was dead. Next one. I lived this way. I was led by this world and its dark prince. I caved into everything I wanted, and I, was, and I died. And the wrath of God was my nature. Can you admit this? So that's what I'm being saved from. I need to be saved from there. So if you don't know if you're really saved, then you're not really saved from this, by the way. So just pick a different word. Say, I'm potentially saved. I have potential to be saved. Okay? And think of it as an Amway plan. We've got to work the plan to make it work. And if you work it right, you'll get it. But, but whatever Jesus did 2,000 years ago didn't have enough power. Okay? Now, why am I saved? Can everyone say, but? So that's our dilemma. But because of what? How, how is his love? It's a great love. For who? Us. God, who is what? So he's got, because of God, he doesn't look and goes, look at the sinners. He says, love, great love, rich in mercy. What did he do? Did he say, I won't, let's ask them if they want to be made alive. Would you guys like to be made alive? No, what does it say? He did what? He made us alive. Isn't that what he says? How many say amen? amen? We were dead and he loves us and he was rich in mercy. He made us alive in Christ. Next one. Even when we were dead in transgression. So he goes, I know you were dead. I know you were in sin. But because of God's great love, because of his mercy, it is, can everyone say, by grace. I don't know how to explain this word anymore. By the way, I'm not angry. I'm just excited. I don't know how to explain grace anymore, except that you did not earn it. Is, that's the word it is. You couldn't earn it. You get something that you didn't deserve. And you actually deserve something else. And grace is so profound, not like you didn't even look for it. That's how you got it. God reached out to you. It is by grace you have been saved. I wonder if Paul knows his own doctrine. Like when he's explaining this, do you think he's going, I think it's right. But of course, I don't know if I'm saved, so... I may not be, you know. The Spirit of God is in you because of the Christ. 
these are the same people who say they don't know if you're saved or if you're not saved. You're born again and unborn again. Imagine, you know, the larva becomes molten liquid and then metamorphosis. It's the big example we have in nature of reborn. And it becomes a molten liquid, re-metamorphosizes itself to a different cellular structure, takes on a different DNA uh, um, a body plan, a different body structure plan within its higher order in, its, in the DNA. And it restructures itself and becomes a butterfly. Well, then what does it do if it's not saved? Then it goes back into a liquid and comes back again as another butterfly. It goes back and forth, back and forth. I'm saved, I'm not saved. These are the same people who feel like, God's not with me. Well, why do you think he was with you in the first place? Well, he's not with me because I'm not doing everything right. Oh, but you were before and that's why he went with you? Like God looked at you and goes, oh, you are amazing. I'm going to go in you. I'm going to be in you now. Oh, you're not as amazing. Oh, you are amazing. How many know that God helps sinners? Do I hear an amen? He has power to change. It is by grace. Can everyone say you have been saved? Again, there's that present continuous tense. So next slide. His great love and rich mercy is the reason why I've been saved by grace. And God raised us up with Christ. Did he or not? Yes, he did. And seated us where? With him. In the heavenly realms, how? In Christ Jesus. Where am I? In the heavenly realms. Listen, my physical material is right here. My shoes, this shirt, this, my socks, I am here. The material, physical material, my flesh, I'm here. But there is a transcendent part about who I am that's speaking to you right now. That's not just the human Eric soul. It's the soul that's been merged with Christ. And I am in Christ up there right now. And I'm, there's no elevator. I'm not going to cheek, 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 cheek. It's not Jacob's ladder going up and down. We are in the New Testament. It has gone up and I am there. And I am there. I'm seated him in the heavenly realms. And that immortality of mine is safe and secure. And no one can separate me from the love of God in Christ. No height, no depth, nor angel, nor any power. Not any power. Do I hear an amen? amen? And why? Next slide. In order that the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ. Now listen, this is so awesome. In order that in the coming ages he's going, he goes, why am I doing this? Because of my love and my mercy. Why? I know you did all this stuff. I know you're dead. Why? Because guess what? In the coming ages, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to show you the riches of my grace, the incomparable. You can't compare my grace that I give to anything else. It's incomparable. Amen? That's how. And everyone's going to go, look at that grace. Wow! It's not going to be, oh, look at this. Oh, the blue angels. Boom. That was cool. That was awesome. When's the game start? No, this is the glory of the Lord. The sons and daughters revealed in the heavenly realms. Expressed in his kindness to us. Can everyone say, in Christ Jesus. All right, number three. How? How does this happen? For it is, can everyone say, by grace? You have been through. And this. Okay, now. I put those parentheses around there because the this 
is called a periphrastic construction in the Greek. What it means is everything in that phrase is the this. We are saved. We are, can everyone say grace? Saved. Faith. This. This is what? It's not of yourselves. I can't get into all the Greek, but you students that are out there that are studying it in our college or our classrooms, let me just tell you this. When you have a phrase in the Greek, and it's male and female, usually the sentence structure encapsulates only the male sentences that are the same. And in this sentences, there are male and female. But if the wrap-up of that sentence is what they call neutered, it's neither male nor female, that means it wraps up the entire phrase. In this case, that's what it is. So this is not, uh, how do I want to interpret it? This is, how does language work? And what does it mean? And the Bible is inspired, infallible, inerrant. We are saved by grace through faith. And this is not of yourselves. It is what? A gift of God. In other words, hey, Steve, by the way, sorry about everything I said. This is a gift. Amen. Amen. Well, you didn't know I was coming over here, did you? Yeah. Of course, the gift I gave wasn't much, but it was invisible. It's got a power that transcends any car I could have bought you. This is not of yourselves. Next slide, because we're about to wrap this up. It is the gift of God. Can everyone say, not by works? Turn to someone and say, it's not by works. Just say, or my works. Say, or your works. Say, or their works. Say, it's not by works. Say, it's the gift of God so that no one can boast. Why is this so important to God that no one boasts about this? Because on one side, look what I just read. He wants to show his incomparable riches, the amazingness of his grace. He's waiting to reveal it. Remember, Ephesians 1, it says, For he chose you in him before the foundations of the earth. You are blessed, foreknown before the foundations of the earth. Read Ephesians 1. When it takes you in Ephesians 2, you've been saved by grace through faith. And this, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. You know, so that no one can boast. Go to the next one. It's not, it's not by works. It's a gift of God. Option one, you can have your faith in yourself. Okay? In other words, you go, I have Christ. And just say it. That's not enough. And if I, then I'll have it. If I, and if I can, and if the church can, and if I will. Or you can say, I'm saved because of Christ. Well, that's your options. It's either grace or it's works. But the two, why don't you have, my daughter's going to sing a song that illustrates this. Where is she? If she comes on up, and I'm going to go through this while she's coming up. Okay, you guys, say hi to Bo. This is me, and this is Bo. Okay? Go ahead and put the next one on. We both receive Christ, each one. I receive Christ, Bo receives Christ. I tell the truth, who hears my word and believes in him who sent me, has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has Christ. I quoted that earlier. Okay, we both receive Christ. We're both reborn. We're saved. We're not going to perish. We're imperishable. There's no more wrath for us. We have eternal life. Okay, isn't that what Jesus says? Okay, the next one. 
Jesus' grace won't fail me. All that the Father has given me will come to me, and I shall lose none of them that have been given to me. I come not to do my will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of them that have been given to me, but raise them up on the last day. Jesus came to save us. Amen? So, we are saved by his grace, not our works. Is Jesus' grace going to fail? No. No. Are you ever going to go, well, I could have been saved, but Jesus failed? No. How many know that's not true? Okay. So, next slide. But this is what some people say, that Jesus' grace doesn't decide. It's something else. So let's go to the next one. I fail. I become unsaved, even though I have Christ. I fail somehow, and now I'm unsaved. I don't fail, so I am saved. So somehow, the, the very intrinsic value of being saved is found in me, rather than the power of God. This should not be, my brethren. Verily I say unto you, we are saved by the grace of Christ. Go ahead, put the next one on. Then we become unorned, unborn, doomed, stranded, will perish, wrath, eternal fire. So in other words, we have Christ. We're reborn to a new nature. We're a new creation, but we lose that creation. If you believe in this theology, then you can just get I am saved out of your vocabulary because it doesn't belong there or it has no meaning. You only know if you're saved if you trust the power of God and you trust the work of Jesus Christ and that is a supernatural power. I tell you that he is strong enough, that he is great enough, that he is rich enough, that he is able to deliver. The Bible says he who began the work is able to complete it. He is able. He starts to work. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author. He authored your faith. He did? Yes. He's the author of it and the finisher of it. Amen? And Father God, I just pray, Lord, that you, not only let this song come to life, but I pray that you give us a heart, Lord, that you are strong enough, that you are great enough. And I, just as you hear this song, I want you to, just with your eyes closed, you're going to hear this song. Go ahead and you can just start the music. Just as you hear this going, I want to encourage you. Put your confidence in the Lord. Just say, Lord, I trust your salvation. I am saved.